Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Good morning. It's uh, a real honor to be with all of you this morning as we celebrate the commissioning of David Wicks as your new pastor. Uh, yeah, I, I mean that when I say an, an honor and a, and a privilege. Uh, and thank you, David, for the opportunity to share uh, from the Word this morning as I'm, as I'm with you all. Um, so I, yeah, I actually recognize a number of faces I don't recognize in the, in the crowd, which is just marvelous. My name is Ryan Yancey, and I serve as the Interim Executive Director with the Ontario Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches, and so I'm here today just to represent our family of churches. And I know that uh, as are a number of settings now where our pastors have had the opportunity to get to know David a little bit, and uh, we're just thrilled to uh, get to know David and to have him kind of a a part of our, our, our family, I guess you could even say, of, of pastors and, and ministry leaders and, and looking forward to that. Um, so it's been a, a little bit of an unusual nature of, of the relationship that even when, when Dave and Liz came to candidate last, uh, last January and given the role that I'm in with O&MB, typically we'll send someone to have a, an interview as well with uh, when our churches hire new lead pastors. And, and so... Uh, had the opportunity to do that, but I didn't think I could enter into that conversation emotionally detached or unbiased. Or uh, <laughs> So uh, Brent Kipfer, one of our pastors who serves on our board, joined me. And as much as I tried to enter in in a neutral fashion, uh, I was nervous heading into that conversation. Uh, nervous in case I thought this, this fellow coming from Saskatchewan was maybe a little bit... I, I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and really, it, it did not take long. Actually, we sat down for lunch at the White Squirrel just up the road, and it didn't take long at all as we met Liz and David that I was uh, put at ease and my heart just filled with so much joy. Um, and as, as we had that conversation and have had the chance to get to know David a little bit over the last, uh, last number of months, um, I see very much that God has called this man to lead you as a church in the years ahead. Um, I, I just see how uh, just his love for the Lord, his down-to-earth nature, I mean, small town, hockey family, I mean, that kind of fits in this territory. Um, yeah, and then just seeing the depth, the depth of character and the vision for you as a community, uh, I'm absolutely, absolutely thrilled. And uh, if, if you would have told me uh, in October of 2021 that it would take two years to find a new lead pastor, uh, I don't know what I would have said. Um, I've certainly been watching with some nervousness from a distance and praying. And, and to be honest, have, and I imagine for, for many of you through this process of like trusting God in this and struggling to trust at points. I was struggling to trust a little bit at points. And yet again, we see God's faithfulness and we see God's sovereign hands that at the right time, the right person, the right family, He has, has called here. And so we're joining together in uh, celebrating God's faithfulness to you as a church and uh, just blessing you, uh, David and Liz, and, and yeah, just, just thrilled, excited. You know, as, as Dennis shares this word of next step, absolutely thrilled to see the next step that God will take you on. Uh, 
as you uh, continue into the future. What does, what does God have? So just want to join with those, those words of, of blessing. And, and thank you, David, for the invitation to, uh, yeah, to preach here this uh, morning. Actually, my, my preference is uh, actually to, when I go to, tar- to our churches to hear our pastors preach. Um, I, did, I heard David preach online one time. It was splendid. Um, so to be honest, I wish I was listening to you preach this morning, but it is, it's a joy, joy to be here. And, and so just, just a little bit of, a, I guess, a, a personal update. As, as you know, I started in, in a role as a ministry director with the Interior Conference of MB Churches, and uh, that's, been a, that's been a joy. Um, I, I, f- I feel like I don't understand why, but God has given me a, a passion for drawing churches together, drawing leaders together, facilitating connections and, and resourcing, and just cheering on our, our churches as they seek to faithfully uh, follow Jesus. And so it's been an opportunity to uh, step into that, e- even as there have been days where we, uh, we miss, uh, miss our pastors. Actually, I was connecting with April here just a couple weeks ago just to cheer her on, and, and so it was here and drove around town and drove around to St. Joseph and all of us as a family, the kids were here for a beach day with some friends this summer, and we, we deeply miss living in, in Zurich as we celebrate this next step that you're heading into. And so I invite, uh, invite your prayers, as you may or may not know, I stepped into the position of interim executive director uh, November of the year prior, as ONB was just, we've been making some decisions in terms of remaining committed to the teachings of Jesus and uh, that led to some some shifts in our in our family and so it's actually it's been a challenging year but a really good year and we've got a job posting up we're going to be hiring a permanent executive director and hope to have that person in place in december or january and then i will slide back to the role i was hired for and so i invite your prayers for our family of faith in that as we uh, as we seek god's leading it's it's actually been a really uh, really unifying year for us as as churches and we're excited to see uh what is ahead so I want to invite you this morning as we consider uh, the territory that, that you as a church have been in and as you wonder about the future, as you wonder what, what is uh, God's future hold? What will uh, 2030 look like or, or 2028? Uh, the years ahead, what will it look like for you as a church and under the leadership of, of David alongside April and, and Deb? What will that look like? And so I invite you this morning to be rooted in God's loyal love. God's loyal love. I think that we can recognize that God has expressed His loyal love to you and through you over the years. As I've been connecting with our, with our churches in various spots across Ontario, I've been asking God, what is it that you would have to say to us in this time? I've been hearing God say, just uh, call my people to a deeper rootedness or remind them of my loyal love. God's loyal love surrounds you as Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. God's loyal love surrounds uh, David Wicks and his family. God's loyal love surrounds your families, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And God's loyal love surrounds Zurich and Blue Water Municipality. God's loyal love is true and good and evident. And we are celebrating that today. There's no question that we are in a challenging time as the church of Jesus. It seems wherever I go, I encounter people, churches who are asking, who are we to be in this time? It's not a, not a secret to any of us that society is shifting, culture is shifting, we're further progressing into what's known as 
uh, post-Christendom, a post-Christian reality, and we're asking, how do we live as God's people? In this time, do we rise up and fight for our rights? Do we make sure that our voice is heard? Do we try to establish a position of power in society during this time of transition? Or do we fade back as just one expression of many? One expression of faith, one social community, nothing particular, nothing unique, nothing especially true about who we are. We are one of many voices. And if you look across the landscape, it seems like some folks want to rise up and take power. Others want to just fade into the background. And I believe that God is calling us to be a people in the midst of that who are convinced of His loyal love and rooted in that loyal love to proceed with courageous faith, courageous conviction, and courageous humility. I believe that He wants to express His loyal love through us. Who are we to be in this time? I believe that we're to be the people rooted in God's loyal love. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 to 22. Ruth chapter 1, 6 to 22. We're going to be looking at the whole story of Ruth, but we're not going to read the whole text. So I'll just point you to certain segments of it that give us the gist. Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 to 22. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husband's and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this they wept aloud again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women explained, exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? 
The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And now to chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. Chapter 4, 9 to 12. This is kind of the, the bookend to the story, and I'll, I'll fill in the gaps following. Ruth 4, 9 to 12. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought back from Naomi all the property I have, sorry, I have bought from Naomi, all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead and with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. You today are my witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar, Tamar bore to Judah. The story of Ruth is a story in which we do see God's loyal love. So there's this word that pops up a number of times in the text that becomes a kind of a theme word for the book, and that is the word chesed. So I'm actually going to get you to join in the, in the Hebrew. That's how you pronounce it. I'm going to get you to join with me in saying this word. You, maybe if you haven't cleared your throat yet this morning, this will be a good time to do so. Would you join with me in saying chesed? Chesed. This is the word through the Hebrew Scriptures that is used to describe God's loyal love. Chesed. It's a beautiful word. It's one of those rich words where we try to interpret it and it takes like, 12 or 13 words actually explain what it means. But the best summary would be God's loyal love. It carries a a tone of compassion and kindness. It carries the word of activity as God pours this out to His people. And it covers the sense of never-ending. So compassion, kindness, never-ending. God's loyal love, chesed. And it actually only pops up three times in the book, but the way the book is structured, these are three critical points in the narrative. And then you see God's activity woven throughout that expresses um, what this loyal love looks like. It is a theme, the primary theme throughout Ruth. And so I think it's helpful actually that as we ask God, who should we be as your people? We look back at the community of God's people in this time and we see this idea of chesed, we receive a parallel call to be a community of God's loyal love. And so when we look at the story, we look at Naomi and her family, we see a community that is surrounded by God's loyal love. God's love is going ahead of. God's love is following behind. God's love is alongside. And God's love is within. And actually, I really believe that to be the case as I look at you as a people of Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. And as we celebrate what has been in the past, as we celebrate this day of commissioning David to be your pastor, and as we wonder with anticipation and hope about what is ahead, we can see that you are a community surrounded by God's loyal love. You are a people of chesed. 
The story of Ruth is actually set in a dark time in Israel's history. It, it's in the biblical era of the judges. If you're familiar with the story of the judges, you recognize it's, it's maybe the darkest book in the entire Old Testament. There's some pretty dark moments, but the book of Judges seems to be consistent. One uh, turn toward evil after another for the people of God. And at the close of the book, there's this statement, Judges chapter 21, verse 25, and it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Kind of this very dark summary statement. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. This statement could be true of many eras of human history. It certainly is a statement that seems to be applicable for the era that we live in. That everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I want to expand on that. I think as I express that, you can all think of different examples for how within our society, and even possibly among us, it is the case that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so it was in this time that Naomi fled from Israel to go to Moab. There was a famine in Israel. And so Moab was a foreign country with false gods. She went there so that she could find food to eat. And this actually was a step of disobedience. This was a step of distrust by Naomi's family to move away from God even in the point of hardship they did not trust in God but they left God's people to go somewhere else so they could have enough to eat now the beautiful thing is in this moment of disobedience and distrust God did not push Naomi away I don't know what the religious observances were while they lived in Moab Um, I I don't know that this text doesn't give a lot to indicate what that looked like but If God were as a human like us, it might have been easy to just push her away and say, I'm I'm done with you. You've chosen your path. We're over here. You can figure it out on your own. If that's how you want to live, figure it out. But that is not what we see. We see that God's loyal love was going ahead of them into this strange land in this step of disobedience. God's love was around, all around her, in, in front of her, behind her, beside her. And God does not leave her alone. Even as tragedy strikes and so we see that her husband dies we see that two of her sons die in this land and Naomi is left very vulnerable with her two daughter-in-laws both of whom are Moabite women and we see in this text which is fascinating that even as tragedy strikes even as things don't go as planned even as it might appear that God has left the scene, she continues to be surrounded by His loyal love. Now at some point in her time as a widow with her daughter-in-law, she receives word that there is food in Israel again. And so Naomi plans to return. And she urges Orpah and Ruth, her daughter-in-laws, these Moabite women from a different country, from a different religious system, She urges them to go back. Chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Long story short, Orpah returns, but Ruth remains. Ruth insists that she stay with her mother-in-law. She says, don't urge me to leave you or don't or to turn back from you. And then she says this famous line, this beautiful line of faith and commitment to her mother-in-law. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. 
Naomi sees that her Moabite daughter-in-law is determined, and so she permits her to join. Now, I'm, I find this to be a really captivating piece of Scripture. Why would Ruth insist on staying with her mother-in-law? Tragedy has struck. She might have every reason to believe that God has abandoned her given that her husband, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law have all passed away. Why would she choose to go to a strange land to which she's possibly never been, or at least deeply unfamiliar? Why would she leave her family, her religious system in which she was probably familiar? And why does she join her mother-in-law who is actually described as bitter in the text? The text tells us that Naomi was struggling with the pain of this tragedy. So much so, in fact, that she says a little later in the text that she, she thinks her name should be changed to Mara which means bitter. Verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Clearly, she's not painting a rosy picture of what life with Yahweh looks like. She's bitter. She's struggling, and understandably so, in her grief and in her pain, as would probably be the case for any of us if we experienced the tragedy she experienced. And yet, Ruth is here wanting to walk with her mother back to Israel into this new territory. Why is this? It actually doesn't make sense. It's very surprising that Ruth would want to go to Israel. Why is this? I believe it's because Ruth has experienced God's chesed. God's loyal love. Even in the tragedy, she has seen the Israelite faith. She has seen the one true God and His people as a community where others are drawn into that loyal love. Ruth has observed. She has felt God's loyal love even as her mother-in-law grieves, even in the midst of tragedy, even though it means going to a land that is foreign, in the midst of all of this. And it's interesting to see that Naomi, even though she's bitter, she does have deep faith in God. Even though she's bitter, she's not pushed God away, but she has this faith in a God that surrounds her. And this is seen in the prayers of blessing that she prays over the women she prays these prayers of blessing that communicate that even in the pain, she still trusts that God is all around. She has felt the loyal love of God. Ruth has felt the loyal love of God through Naomi and her family in the midst of tragedy. In the midst of brokenness and pain. Rather than the security of her familiar homeland, rather than seeking another husband there, rather than staying in a place where maybe she could be more safe. She chooses to go as a vulnerable person to this new territory because she is drawn to God's loyal love. I'm fascinated by this. And so there's two pieces that I see here. And the first one is that God's loyal love pursues people. God's loyal love pursues people. I believe that God was pursuing Ruth. He would not leave her alone. And it's a joy to me as I preach this sermon this morning, as I look at your faces across the crowd, and I can see, I know a good number of our stories, and I know that you have experienced God's loyal love pursuing people. It was, 
I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point to Dylan Moss this morning. <laughs> Sorry, Dylan, I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but I love Dylan, and I see that God's loyal love is pursuing Dylan and not giving up on him. And that's worth celebrating. And all of you have different stories of God's loyal love who does not give up on people, who keeps chasing after, who keeps pursuing. And we have people in our lives who we want so desperately to know God's goodness. And their hearts are not turned in that direction. And so I invite you to hold fast to this truth as we see in Ruth and as we've seen in other instances that God's loyal love does not give up and it keeps pursuing. We see this in Ruth here. I've had the joy. One of the things I love about my role right now is I get to spend time with other churches, other leaders, and hear stories of God's activity. I met a young lady named Taya. Taya's from Dartmouth. Halifax. She grew up in a, a home where her father was agnostic, didn't really know what he believed, was opposed to, to religion. And then her mother was kind of a spiritual hodgepodge. She'd visit a medium. She would do kind of Buddhist meditation, um, just kind of picking and choosing whatever, and just kind of open to this spiritual realm, but not knowing who Jesus was. So that's what she grew up in. And then she was in university, and she saw her peers around her riddled with anxiety. These peers who had all the money they could want, they had all of the resources, the backing, the support of their parents. They were given cars when they went off to university, full ride because their parents were covering their tuition. Like They couldn't ask for more, and yet they were absolutely riddled with anxiety. At the same time, she had a friend, and this friend, it seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. This friend had to work super hard because her family did not have means to support her to go to university, some of the financial pieces fell through. There was some sickness and illness as she was doing her studies. It seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. But this student had a peace that was unmatched by anyone else around her. As her life was falling apart in so many ways, she had this peace, this consistency, this faithfulness. And everybody that had life handed to them on a platter were just an emotional mess. And so my friend Taya, she, this caused her to pause and say, well, what is happening here? And so she asked her friend questions. So why are you not at your wit's end? Why are you at peace? And her friend started talking about Jesus. And so Taya brought all of the usual questions. So you believe in Jesus, but what about this? And what about this? Why does the church hate gay people was one of the questions she asked. Why does the church do this? And it just named all of the things that we hear that we're so terrible about from society around us, and her friend just patiently, kindly answered all those questions, just kept pointing to Jesus. A Jesus who is a God of love and a Jesus who calls us to the beautiful way of life. And so Taya's heart started opening up. And so she started going to this church service, and she didn't know what to think, but she was asking all the questions. And she noticed that she sat in this church service that when they would preach or sing, any time there was reference to the blood of Jesus, she would get kind of clammy and she would start to sweat. She said there was no emotional reaction within her. There was no like sense of, yeah, an emotional drawing. She, she was just like emotionless, but her body would physically respond when these truths were proclaimed. She began to take her questions to the pastor and kept asking and asking and asking. And eventually she came to the place where the Holy Spirit broke through and then one day, the floodgates opened and she started weeping. Weeping with confession and with repentance and with faith. She gave her life to Jesus. 
This is a story of God's loyal love pursuing someone when she had no reason to believe and know God put this person in her life. The fascinating thing with Taya, she said it was not actually the idea that her sins needed to be forgiven that convinced her she needed Jesus. It was actually the idea, the truth that broke through is that her soul had an enemy. When she was talking with the pastor and the pastor said, your soul has an enemy, she knew that that was true. And that was the entry point into the Gospel. Now she grew in her faith and came to understand. She's like, oh yeah, like I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. She knew and understood that. But it was the idea that her soul had an enemy that captured her. A story of God's loyal love pursuing someone. God's loyal love is chasing the people in your lives that you care desperately about. The second thing we notice is that God's loyal love is expressed through brokenness. I don't fear like me. I often, when I'm sharing the love of God with other people, I feel like I have to have it all together before I can do that. Does anybody else identify with that? Like if I've had a bad day, if I like yelled at my kids that morning, well, I'm kind of written off for the day because I'm not in a holy enough place to tell people about Jesus. Does that make sense? This isn't true. God's loyal love is expressed through the brokenness of His people. It's astounding to me also that as Naomi was so bitter that she said, my name should be changed to Mara, God's Loyal love was being expressed through her. Naomi was not perfect. And yet, God's love was poured out through her. God's loyal love is expressed through brokenness. We also see in this story that God's loyal love is expressed through His people, His chesed. And so Ruth and Naomi, they return to Israel and they're vulnerable as two widows they had fled the land earlier, Naomi had, when there wasn't enough food. So when they came back, it would have been easy for people to just be you know, standoff and judgmental. Of like, oh, we're, we're good enough for you now that we have food. They didn't have a man to provide for them for their physical needs. And in that culture, in that setting, that was a significant challenge. But they return. And so they gather wheat. So chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields to pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. As it turned out, she was working in the field of a man named Boaz. Boaz was a godly man. And he greeted them and he said, May the Lord be with you. And he granted them special favor so that as they reaped the grain, the workers in the field would not treat them as a nuisance, but rather protect them. Ruth was experiencing God's chesed, His loyal love through His people. And he said, my daughter, listen to me. Chapter 2, verse 8. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. The field where the men were harvesting and they were to follow along after the other women. And Boaz said, I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. As we ask God who we're to be in this time, may we be a people who radically pour out God's loyal love to those around us, who care for those who are hurting, who care for those who are vulnerable, who, who care for those who are on the margins. And I know, and this is what gives me great joy, David, we've talked, you're, you're among such a wonderful people. <laughs> this is a community that pours out God's love to those around them. This is a community that has that posture of blessing 
and demonstrates God's loyal love. That's why I'm, I'm super excited for the church to have you as their pastor because you're going to be such a good leader. I'm also super excited for you to have these people because they are a people who love those around them. They are a people through whom God's loyal love is being expressed. God's loyal love is flowing through you. So that's the other piece in the story that we see. So first we see God's loyal love pursues people. God's loyal love is expressed through brokenness. But then there's this call in this vision. We see that they are intentional and radical in how they pour out that loyal love. The last piece as I finish up here that I want to draw your attention to is that this is a story of God's grand narrative of loyal love. So to quote the Bible Project, it says, this book of Ruth is a big message in a short story. It shows how God is constructing His grand story out of the small, seemingly inconsequential stories of everyday people. This little story is intentionally framed at the beginning and the end by the larger storyline of the Bible. Ruth shows how God is at work in the day-to-day activities of average people. All the characters face life's normal challenges. Death, moving, there's a lack of financial resources, there's familial responsibilities, and they find that God is weaving a story of redemption out of all the details. The book of Ruth encourages us to view our day-to-day lives as a part of God's bigger plan for our lives and the world. Ruth was no more special than you. Ruth experienced the things that you experience in life. There was nothing special or extraordinary about her. And you might think, I'm just one person living in southwestern Ontario with my own limitations, with my own challenges, my own struggles. What could God possibly do through me? Even though we read Ruth in the Bible, thousands of years later, she was no different than you. And God took her faithfulness. God took her desire to enter into the story of loyal love and he, he was weaving it into His big story. And it is no different for you. God is using the little events of your life to craft His big story of redemption and salvation. Again, to make a long story short and to finish up here, this fellow Boaz, in whose field she was, she was harvesting the grain on the edges, he was known as what was a kinsman redeemer. He was a distant relative of Naomi, and so he had a responsibility to take care of Naomi and Ruth. And so he, he took the opportunity, and he bought their family land, and he married Ruth. Now the good thing is there was a closer relative who did not have a heart directed toward the purposes of God, He had the opportunity, but he refused. But Boaz's heart was committed to the loyal love of God, so he said, I will honor this family in this way. So he bought their land and took Ruth as his husband. This all sounds very strange to our modern ears. Again, long story short, this is how they functioned in that time. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Then Boaz announced to the elders and the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. It was astounding. So Ruth, through the activity of Boaz, is swept up into God's story. And the interesting piece is that Ruth would become the great-grandmother to King David. And who is King David's great descendant? Jesus. We read it in the genealogies that, that Jesus was a descendant of David. Jesus is the one who would serve on his throne, the throne of King David forever. And here this ordinary person named Ruth got to play a role 
in that story. Now, you won't play a role in God's big grand narrative in quite the same way, but I believe with all of my heart, because God's loyal love is all around you, and if your heart is open to it being poured out through you, He is using what you do in this life to form His story of His loyal love being poured out to the world. So in conclusion, you are a people of God's loyal love. As you wonder, as you dream, as you think, what will the years ahead hold for us? As the leadership team works with David to say, what is the vision God has? What are the the key steps? What is the step, as Dennis referred to, that we will take? Do it with the confidence and the knowledge that God's loyal love is all around you. He's not going to leave you. All that God asks is for you to have a heart that's open to Him so that you can step into that loyal love and so it can be poured out through you. And I know that you have those kind of hearts. I know that you collectively desire to walk in the ways of Jesus. So may you do it with full confidence, just as Ruth experienced, that you are walking in God's loyal love. He is with you. And He will be at work through you. You are a community surrounded by God's loyal love. Let's pray together. God, we lift our hearts to you this morning. Uh, we love you. We want to see more of you in our lives. And collectively, we're asking, what do the years ahead hold? How do you want to pour your loyal love more fully into our hearts and then through us to the world? And as we pray this, we have seen your loyal love in the past. We have seen your loyal love direct David and his family to be here in this time. And so God, even as we close, we just pray for a special anointing and a blessing on David and Elizabeth. May they know that you're with them. May they lean on you each and every day. May you draw their family together in love. Would you form deep and beautiful relationships with their family and this community? So I pray that you'd fill their hearts with joy. May their feet be light. May they know that they're not alone. And we pray, God, we join with them in the desire that many would experience you and your goodness through them and through this community. God, we pray for disciples of you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have loved us so well. And God, for those of us who may be struggling today to trust in your love, who may receive this and believe it on a a cognitive level, but on an emotional level, it's hard. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you promise that you will be our comforter. I pray that you would bring comfort. And I pray that you would just open up the doorways so that we could receive that truth and feel it deeply and walk in hope and anticipation of what's next. So I pray for the fullness of your blessing, Father, the fullness of your blessing on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church in the years ahead. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.